burn ointment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very special episode of what is going to be continuing series. Uh, this is going to be called Burn Ointment. Yes. Uh, because for all your Oh God It Needs, Oh God It Burns needs, we have, uh, you know, for, we love bad comics, but every once in a while you have to have a palate cleanser. You've got to have the balance, right? You've got to. What's good for me is like, I, I'm an English teacher. You know, I find the themes and I try and connect the themes back to each other. And that's what really gets me into it. So it's just like, I remember the first time I even saw it was uh, Craven's Last Hunt, Jane Demetase's like run on Spectacular Spider-Man. Then I found out that basically all of that was based off of the Brothers Karamazov, yeah. which was a Russian novel that had more pages than I was ever interested in reading. <laughs> but that kind of stuff really saw like the interconnectedness of everything. So it's like every single bad comic that we read, we want to make sure we pay it forward as well because I want you to know, even if you're not that much into bad comics, there are some good stuff out there that you definitely want to help your comic shop. Uh, you definitely want to talk to them about this because they do have these in their back issue bin or on their shelves or anything that you want to get to. So without further ado, let's go ahead and soothe those blistering boils yeah. with our first edition of a burn ointment. <laughs> the first one, Bruno, do you want to go ahead and take this one? Because uh, this is oh, also this is Dark Knight Strikes Again was the last one we talked about, yes. right? Dark Knight Strikes Again. So, so everything we do is going to be a recommendation that for Dark Knight Strikes that. Again. Yeah. So uh, like much like a wine tasting, where after having so many sips of wine you need to have that like you know cheese or something just to kind of the fucking wheel of cheese you bite into just a wheel of cheese a wheel of parmesan yeah just to go ahead and get all that wine in there so you can start off fresh so starting off fresh from uh the dark knight strikes again uh, my recommendation is uh the batman beyond comic book series and really uh, realistically um it's been i think we're up to volume three now but whether you pick up the one that was based directly on the com uh, the animated series and has the you know um i'm trying to f i'm blanking on his name the guy that did the animated series uh paul dini yeah it's the <clears> same paul dini did paul dini well it, it's the paul dini style art art like, oh you're talking bruce tim style art it's, it bruce is bruce tim style that's yeah. what it was paul dini is the writer bruce tim is the guy i that... can't say tim without thinking of like tom king and we're, <laughs> we're going back there again so like i, 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 was, I was like if tom king tim. will get his name back once he produces a good comic which will hopefully happen with Batman and Catwoman. And, it's on my pull list. I cannot will, wait to read it. And, we and hopefully I will not be bitching about it. And if that's the case, we will put that on our burn ointment. But uh, yeah, Bruce Tim style artwork. Um, there's that one, which is basically in continuity stories for the cartoon. So we'll have like the return of a villain. But, you know, it doesn't actually progress the plot forward because it still can't overstep, um, you know, what's been what's being introduced in the cartoon. Then they actually introduced it in New 52 um they did because it, it went up to like uh was it five years later so that in continuity they introduced that bruce uh batman beyond is a future that occurs within the dc universe so much so that they even had um tim drake because they didn't know what the hell to do with him take over for um terry uh terry mcginnis and wear the suit for a while because he was lost in time and then eventually gives it back to um, Terry McGinnis. Now, if I was to say out of all of them, which version is it? I'd say the most current DC Rebirth has done really well. It kicks off with a storyline that introduces the return of the real Joker. I'll find out whether or not he's back. Uh, it brings some of the characters um, that you're familiar with. Blight has made a return. Uh, there was an issue with uh, Shriek. Um, it is doing really well, fleshing out the storyline, 
it introduces Batman to he gets a award of his own. It flushes out the characters, you know, uh, it brings the character out of the status quo that was in the animated series, and it shows a really messed up future for Batman and Batman and the new Batman trying to make it a better place, which is what Dark Knight Strikes again really was kind of setting up was a yeah, messed and it, up and future it's basically like and a legacy sidekick. character centric where he's yeah. trying to have someone take over like i recommend anything batman beyond i haven't read the most recent series and i didn't read the uh batman and beyond adventures um uh, which was basically the in the tim style but i did read when adam beechin and dustin Nguyen came in and they did like their six issue mini before it like launched into it like that was really really good stuff yeah the only one where it gets kind of muddy is when they tried to tie it directly to the dc continuity and they had tim drake oh, maybe take... like future's end and stuff yeah tim drake because it then had to tie into future's end and that got a bit no massive. i did not read future's end is that a future oh god it burns it may level it might be because it it did a lot, but then it, it got... Or is it more Convergence is what we're leaning towards? Well, Convergence could probably be on there because it didn't accomplish anything. Yeah. And there was a couple of really bad issues in Convergence. But I, I with Future's End, um, the biggest problem with is like there was the main storyline and then the five years later storyline where essentially it was like the Brainiac virus or the cyborgs. They just kind of all look like uh, Brother Eye. Sorry, not Brainiac. Uh, brother I were taking over and just killed all the heroes so it's like very much like uh if Terminator came to the DC universe then that was like the five-year jump and then each one had their storyline so there was some good points in there but a lot of it was just eh, and so much so that when the five-year thing ended they much like Terminator they defeated Judgment Day and thus nothing that you read counted yeah so none of the happy endings and the one shots went anywhere um, and that's my mi- biggest recommendation, like I said, is just uh, if you're going to try to read a Batman Beyond without, that's still considered DC continuity, but isn't bogged down by the events that are going on currently, it would be the Rebirth, which has a really thing. And actually right now, the storyline is actually really good because they've introduced Batman, a Batwoman Beyond. Mm-hmm. And, I remember the comic shop selling out of that, and, and I was just like, really? "Well, that's, Batman Beyond is a big one." It's like, "Yeah, they just had a big key issue come out." Well, there's a whole storyline where they introduce a new villain, and things go kind of sideways because um, the villain targets Batman, and then what winds up happening is we now have, um, for the first time, a Batman character that doesn't know he's Batman, kind of walking around, and someone else is taking up the mantle. So again, all of this is always about a dystopian future and someone has to carry on the mental of the bat so it never gets uh boring and they keep building their own support structure where it could stand on its own independent of the dc universe but knowing that it's joined in there is so much better because you know it, it ties into things that happened in the dc universe. so it's very informed by yeah. the dc universe but it's independent from it yeah all right i really like that one uh do you know who's the current writer on that is that dan jurgens I let me go ahead and look that up because I might be thinking Nightwing. I, I I'm thinking that you're thinking Nightwing because that's uh Rick Grayson that we had. But let me see who the current one is. Let's see. What the heck did we do before the internet? <laughs> Bruno's on his phone. Very professional, Bruno. But then again, I was a stupid son of a bitch that asked the question, I mean, and these questions need to be answered. And if I did it on my computer, there'd be lots of clickings and whirrings and yes, stuff like that. So. It just wouldn't work. Uh, let me see here. All right. So while Bruno's looking that up, yeah, you can are you ahead. anywhere close to it? No, you can go ahead and do all this right, all. cool. I'm running for it. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm a big daredevil boy. Now, I grew up reading Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like 
the one who basically taught me to read. But I didn't really start loving comics until I started getting into Daredevil, specifically Bendis and Kevin Smith and stuff like that. And for the most part, I've kind of not really read a lot of the Frank Miller stuff because basically every time I've went back to the Frank Miller well, it's stuff that I've already read before in different iterations. It's like I haven't yet to finish seeing the first Godfather movie because everyone has told me how great it was. And I've seen it so many times in other pop culture that I tend to want to stay away from it until I'm ready for it. But after reading through Dark Knight Strikes again, All-Star Batman and Robin, I got myself on a Frank Miller kick. And it's some really seriously good stuff. Now, when we're talking Dark Knight Strikes again, we see Frank Miller come back to a character years and years and years. Like a decade and a half after he first had written him. And what I want to do is focus more on the stuff that Frank Miller did after his initial run on Daredevil that got him that acclaim and really rocketed him up to be like one of the superstars that he is. So I'm not going to cover any of the stuff from his original run. Um, Really, I'm talking about Born Again, but everyone knows Born Again. If you're listening to this, you probably read it. You probably have that one. So I'm not really going to push that too much, but you should totally read it. But there's also Electra Assassin, which is uh, very strange, very Frank Miller, by the way, with Bill Sienkiewicz doing the art on that as well. And it's an Electra story where she is uh, working for S.H.I.E.L.D. to take down a puppet government. And it still ties very much into those Frank Miller themes that we know and love so much. Um, But the two that I am going to be focusing on the most are Daredevil Love and War and Elektra Lives Again. Daredevil Love and War, basically for the way that it juggles the multiple perspectives in this one, because one of our biggest criticisms with Dark Knight Strikes Again was we could never tell who was the perspective character. Yeah. We could never tell who the point of view character was because, first of all, all the boxes looked the same. Yeah. There were no different colors, there were no different texts for it, and that's not... But even the character voices were muddled together yeah. because they all had that, like fuck everything kind of vibe to it and unless you literally they were describing something that occurred on panel that you're like oh okay it's this person you had no fucking clue and because the issues like the way the panels would work is like they would they would provide exposition for what is either gonna happen next or what has already happened it may as well just have been a narrator talking you're just like what what the hell but then in Daredevil Love and War, he does this very interesting thing with the text boxes. And I know, like, it, he doesn't change the style of text box. He doesn't change the style of anything, but he has it compartmentalized a lot better. So, like, you'll get two stories where you're talking about Daredevil, and you see Daredevil's point of view. You get two pages where you see Kingpin's point of view, and he's trying his best to resuscitate his wife, Vanessa. And that's, like, the whole thing is, like... Kingpin kidnaps this doctor, neurosurgeon, to come over and help his wife because she's, like, in a very poor state of affair kingpin loves his wife vanessa his whole world revolves around her and then it kind of kicks off this whole thing where daredevil gets involved we get even a couple pages where and we don't even get a lot of the point of view of the doctor that's helping her out but we get like two pages and that's it but we know exactly where the clear delineation of the characters are and it's such a good story and it like has all those classic frank miller tropes where you're going through it it's got the street talk and everything it's got like these sprawling uh like ideas but it's very centered around the kingpin's love for his wife so it's like a very pinpoint accuracy like this is what it is this is very character focused frank miller now the next one i'm going to talk about is electra lives again which is the story that supposedly brought electra back from the dead um really this story uh, like I talked about before on Dark Knight Strikes Again, Frank Miller during this time period, like really start embracing a more poetic 
voice where you couldn't take everything literally. And if you read through this, Daredevil's clearly having dreams. Yeah. He takes some Valium and he's kind of like drifting off and having these hallucinations and stuff like that, which I don't think is how Valium works. But, you know, maybe at the time they were a little misinformed with it. But he starts maybe to that's see... maybe what Miller thought was Valium. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, me Valiums don't look like mushrooms? <laughs> no, Frank. What the fuck you eating? <laughs> I mean, we also don't know. It's like, what, you don't take your Valium with a bottle of vodka? Well, <laughs> I actually did have a Valium a couple times. Like I told you about my... Uh, the pinch nerve. Pinch nerve. Actually, we made a point of it over at the, the New Year's episode, but I had to do a lot of muscle relaxers and stuff like that. And a friend of mine had a Valium, and she's like, you should try this. And it fucking worked. So, like, I didn't have a lot of them, but I know, like, it's funny that I read this right after, like, basically taking that Valium, because I'm like, that's not how fucking Valium <laughs> works. How much Valiums did you take, dude? But this whole thing, it's, it's very, like, beautiful. It's so beautiful, and it's very almost dreamscape -y, and there's this one spread, too, that's, like, one of the the oddest things ever. Matt Murdock lives on the top floor of his apartment building. He gets up and he walks down what happens to be like 16 flights of stairs and it's so detailed all the way down. But that's also stuff that's tipping you off that you can't really believe what you see because this cannot possibly be real. So we're seeing like a different dreamscape and stuff like this. So all this stuff centers on Matt Murdock. He loves Electra, and he hates that she's missing again. And he's just slipping into dreams where like Bullseye's dead, Electra's back as an assassin, the hand is trying to resurrect bullseye to take care of him and like he's trying his best to keep up and get everything centered out and it just doesn't work out and at the end you see a spread where Electra is alive and staring at a blue thing like a blue expanse of nothingness like almost like the horizon yeah. but it's also established too that's one of the dreams he's always had so you're never sure what it is now we know that Marvel took that as literal yes. <laughs> and kind of like adopted that in a continuity much to Frank Miller's chagrin because they're... I, I don't know. Chip Sadarsky seems to be doing really well with that. Well, I mean, like, they seem to be doing okay. But Electra's the character that never really clicked with me too much aside from these Frank Miller issues. Like, mm -hmm. I never really cared about her at all. But this really, really does an awesome job. And another thing to note, just like Dark Knight Strikes Again, Mark uh, Frank Miller doesn't have an inker. Klaus Janssen is not here. It's just Miller and it's just Varley. And you can see her colors at its best. You can see Frank Miller's artwork at its finest that's true it is beautiful so if you can find either one of these two then you're good odds are if you uh can get your hands on daredevil love and war it will actually be bundled with electra assassin which also has art by bill sinkevich which is also very very beautiful in itself so those are three huge recommendations that i want you guys to take home with you i also found an answer to your question uh currently and i, I was actually off because i didn't count the miniseries uh batman beyond is up to volume six because uh, the first two were the DCAU um, we don't count series, those. so they didn't. But they're count still those. good. That's and where then, Mark Miller got to start doing the and dance lot too. Yeah, and then there was a um, another mini series that was eight issues that counted in there. So I'm counting the three series that went beyond uh, the mini series. One, the current one is up to 36 issues, uh, and it's actually being done by Kyle Higgins. Dan Jurgens wrote the Futures End version, oh, okay. and that was what we would consider Volume Five. I considered the second volume. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's actually Kyle Higgins is pretty good. Yeah, no, it's 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 doing really well with his storyline post uh, rebirth. Like I guess the weakest entry in there is the Future's End, just because it tried to change the status quo to make it too tied into the DC universe. But 
then it gets all undone. So it's like for tomorrow and it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's it for Burn Ointment. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Really check them out. Really uh, ask your local comic shop. Try and get everything. Actually, I have one quick one. Yes. And it's um, since we're talking about Dark Knight Strikes Back and we're looking at bleaker futures, uh, this just came out this year. Um, so it's one of the more recent ones. Tales of the Dark Multiverse. It's DC's answer to Marvel's What If, because I know DC has Elseworlds, but usually that will take a concept and create a whole new world. Oh, is this basically what's uh, replacing the Elseworlds? This is what's replacing the Elseworlds. So it basically is doing exactly what Marvel's What If started doing later on, because Marvel's Marvel's What If and Elseworlds both did this used to do their own thing where they would build like an entire world off of one concept like and the mc2 like universe which... but but what they wanted started doing when marvel uh, went back to the well was like they would do like what if civil war or what if infinity gauntlet and it would change one narrative like what if uh nebula was the one that was collecting the stones instead of thanos or something like that so what if karen page had died yeah so what um dc did is using the uh, riffing off of dark knight's uh metal and introducing the concept of a dark multiverse, which basically creates a universe that is doomed to destroy itself once it reaches its, like, untimely, like, everything in there is always going to go bad. So once it reaches a point where everything is ruined perpetually, it the, the universe, that world falls apart and gives way to another one. It's, like, where all the failed ideas of DC's universe, like, the ideas that are too dark or too upsetting go. And so they take this and they're creating... Um, and each one is tied to a specific event. They have one for Darkest Night. Uh, the Judas Contract is the, is the most current one. They had uh, Infinite Crisis. Uh, they had, um, uh, what was it? Not, uh, Nightfall. Mm-hmm. was the I think Nightfall was the one that kicked it all off. Um, and it's all told through DC's verg- version of the uh, Watcher, which is Tempest Fuginot. And he's the protector that goes through the Dark Multiverse and keeps it from stemming over into the um, regular multiverse. He was introduced in Sideways, and he's actually playing a huge part in um, Wally West's Flash Forward, but this is, like, his little aside where he gets to show you, like, the fate of of how badly, like, the DC Universe one could be. And my personal favorite amongst all of them was Infinite Crisis, where what happens if Ted Court lived? Yeah, and how bad that goes. So it's kind of like the whole concept of Grant Morrison's multiversity. Yeah, like they're basically that was setting up what Grant Morrison was trying to do with that. But what's great about this is, like I said, these stories you know that they're gonna completely mess things up, and go, um, and go ahead and just take uh, take things to like the worst possible conclusion. But good storylines throughout all. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for our first burn ointment. This Saturday, coming up, we're going to be talking about Frank Miller's Holy Terror. So if you get your uh, hands on this copy, I'm sure it's not going to cost you a lot because it's universally maligned. Yes. And uh, there's a reason for it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So in the meantime, guys, uh, my name is Nick. My name is Bruno. And uh, I'm going to try something different right now. Good night and feliz cumpleaños. (laughs) You just wished them a happy birthday. What's wrong? I've been wishing them a Merry Christmas for so long. I need to come up with a new sign-off, damn it. (laughs) Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow. What are you, Richard Nixon all of a sudden? No, that's from SNL. That was Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) Yeah, motherfucker. Oh, God, it burns.